Hey friends, I'm Quint Lemkin, and this is the very first conversation for my new podcast, You Can Afford College, where we figure out decisions around money, life, career, and of course, education. I want to welcome our first guest, Michelle Matellas. Welcome to the show, brother. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you know, I'm really glad that you're here. But before we dive into more about you, what you do, and making smarter money decisions, I want to know, and I definitely know this to be true, that you are one of those guys that uh, are visiting some of the best ice cream spots in New York City. Do you have any recommendations (laughs) for the folks who want to take a mini ice cream vacation during this COVID craziness? I mean... Honestly, when COVID first hit, I was just looking like, how am I going to fulfill my ice cream needs? Now, I'm not, I'm not going to front. Like, I've stepped back a little bit. I've had to be a little bit more uh, conscientious about how often I should be eating ice cream. And as a brother who also, you know, suffers from uh, lactose intolerance, it's been, it's been a little bit of a struggle. Um, but thankfully, West Harlem Sugar Hill Creamery on 184th Malcolm X Boulevard has been there for me. They've had this really delicious... Um, watermelon sesame sorbet ice cream that I tried this past week. So I highly recommend them if you're ever on the west side of Harlem. Just check them out. They're family owned, small business. We got to support what we can, folks. So I definitely recommend if you're into ice cream, go there. Oh, that's pretty cool. You know, it's interesting because I actually don't live far from that place. And it sounds amazing. I haven't been in. Um, and I'm sure the prices are super affordable because you are Mr. Affordability. And that's going to be your of nickname course, of course. while we're on the show <laughs> today. Um, you work in healthcare as a financial analyst with a background in public health. And yes. what's really cool about you, for our friends listening in, you are the guy at the cookout that knows the most random facts about anything from politics to money. Um, so I'm already you know, giving you an open invitation to come back on the show to talk more about making smart money decisions, life decisions, whether or not college or grad school is the best choice, finding a job that pays well, you know, building a future that may or may not include buying a home, starting a family, basically all the money related things that my friends, your friends are trying to figure out in our 20s and 30s and 40s. And speaking of money, there can be a lot of shame and anxiety when folks start talking about it. And I appreciate your approach with money. And from our previous conversations, I get the sense that you have a healthy relationship with your finances. How did you develop a healthy relationship with your money? Ooh, I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily healthy, right? Like, it's, um, it's something I've been training myself over time. Like, I think like a lot of people, especially if you know, your family doesn't come from a really wealthy background, money is a very complicated thing to kind of address and deal with on a regular basis right like i know for my family my dad used to always tell me pennies make dollars and that for me created what i would say almost a hoarding aspect you know like i was the kind of guy who counted the pennies of every single drop that i had in my account i remember in college if my account ever dropped below seven hundred dollars i would call up my bank and i'd say hey we need to lock this down i can't touch any of this money and you know like to to a lot of people that might sound like Woof, discipline you know what i mean like <laughs> that's amazing like this guy's got his money on check he's handling it 
But in reality, I wasn't doing anything with that money, right? Like, and, you know, when you bring up the topic of shame, you know, we should talk about what does that even mean when we say shame around money. And I think for a lot of people, the shame around money is just that we know that we're not using money the way that we want to or should be using it. Um, now, I'm going to take a step back and say that money is made for spending. You know, that spending means that you should get the things that you want. You should not feel ashamed to spend the money. But you should be careful with how you spend it. Um, I think one of the conversations we had, I talked about how having money is like being in a relationship. In any relationship that you have, you know, your partner is not going to be satisfied if you keep them cooped up inside the house. If you're, you know, just doing the same thing over and over again, you know, that's not a good relationship. That's not healthy, right? right? It's not healthy if you just go home and you say hi to your wife or your husband and then you just keep it moving, right? Like that's not a healthy relationship. What makes a relationship healthy is trying new things out, going out there, having fun, creating new experiences. And I think that's something that we need to start thinking about when we say the word relationship and we intertwine it with the word money. And we can't sit here and think of money as just a thing that we use. We need to think of money as something that we are building a legacy with. And once we have a certain amount of money, we need to look at how do we turn that money into Wealth is what I would consider that marriage stage, right? Like a lot of us, our relationships with money is like a relationship with just like a boyfriend, girlfriend. You know, we're together. We're kind of seeing each other, but we're not really sure we're ready to tie the knot yet. But when you get to that point where you want to make wealth, that's when you're proposing to your money, in my opinion. That's when you're, you know, forming a bond for a marriage. So for myself, I would say that I'm actually still in the dating stage with my money because it's something I'm still learning about because it's not something that, you know, naturally came to me. It's not something that I had the background to be there. It's something that I've been forcing myself to really think of. And, you know, I've been blessed, thank God, to have a career that's been able to pay me well to be able to get to that position where I am thinking differently about how money is used and what money could be used for. Oh, wow. That's super. That's interesting. And I think you're right in that. Uh, making the connection between a relationship, right? Where we both know that there are going to be highs and lows and that's totally normal. Um, and for me, I'm connecting the financial dots around what you said in that, you know, just because you have like a low moment, for example, in a relationship, but in the, the case that we're talking about around money, it doesn't mean that you walk away and you stop, for example, paying your bills or you give up on trying to fix it. But what do you say? What do you say for folks who um, can relate to, you know, something that I've experienced at different points in my own life, which is when you're just broke, right? Especially when I think about folks and families trying to figure out how to pay for college or grad school, how did you go about making your college experience affordable? So I will say this, um, my college experience, the reason I, the way I made it affordable was I actually went to college near my hometown. I went to Rutgers University. It was literally like a mile up the road. It's a state college. Um, and I commuted. Um, that was what made sense for me financially. Um, it definitely saved me a lot of money up front um, because, you know, at the point that I was going to college, it was around 2006, graduating around 2010. The world changed remarkably during that time period. You know, we went into 2000, if you were going into college in 2006, you had like a certain idea of what your life was going to be like. And then 2008 happened. And after that, you realized nothing was going to be the same ever again. Mm. Um, 
So for me, like I made those decisions and I said that, you know what, if I'm going to go to college, I need to go to college somewhere close, um, somewhere that's affordable. That's the decision I made. Now, that was a smart decision. And to a degree, it was a wise one. But I will also say that college is a wonderful experience if, you know, you're in your early 18, 19, 20s. It might not matter so much for you if, you know, you're in your 30s and you want to go back to college to have the college experience. But if you are a young person, the college experience is important because part of that experience is also learning how to network, learning how to build relationships, learning how to access like avenues that you normally wouldn't be exposed to. And while I got a certain level of that, I don't think I got the full experience that I wanted. And that kind of ties back to what I said about money being something that you want to, you know, use to like enhance your life in a certain way, right? Mm. Certain things may cost more but the experience itself is worth it. Now, that doesn't mean make foolish decisions. You know, that right. doesn't mean that you don't try to reduce the cost any way that you can. Right. But it does mean that there are times, you know, we need to sit back and think, you know, like, this is worth it. And I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong about that. And that, again, ties back to what we talk about shame of how we use our money and how, what we use our money for. There's nothing wrong with enjoying life. It's short enough as is. There's a lot, enough rough moments in there as is. It's just that when we're with our money and we're using our money and we're forming that relationship with our money, we got to be wise with where that money is going to take us and what mm. we can do. So that's interesting. So what what would you say to those folks who are like, listen, Linda, listen, right? <laughs> I'm not interested <laughs> in going into thousands of dollars in debt to get a college degree. And so they may make a decision to work to pay on their college education along the way. So like what insights could you share for folks who choose or even have to work a full eight hour a day or even a part time job to help pay their way through college on top of taking classes? Yeah, I mean, that is a really difficult thing to do. And I think it's going to change depending on what stage of your life that you're in. Um, I will say that if you're younger, it's not impossible to do, um, but it is hard to serve two masters. You know, it is hard to both you know, go to college full-time and work full-time. So it is something that you really need to sit back and think about. The most important thing I think that you got to have is time management skills. Like, I know we hear about that. People are always telling us about it, but it is the most precious, precious tool you could have in your arsenal to be able to manage something so complicated. Because when you're going to college, when you're working full-time, you got to think about the energy that you're expending every single hour of the day. Like, we always talk about the vibes that we get from other people and now that's some people who drain our energy when we're going to work and you know we're dealing with our customers we're dealing with the lindas and the karens and the johns <laughs> and the michaels you know when we're going through all that we're expending energy and then after that you gotta go to class and you're expending more energy so my thing is that like learn to time manage learn to balance your time properly and part of that time management is not just making sure that you know am i going to work all eight hours am i hitting up and studying but also that downtime like we do not give enough credit to the fact that time management should include downtime in it because that's how you rejuvenate your soul that's how you keep your mind fresh because if your mind is just constantly working it's not going to do anything for you just like your body will crash your mind will crash too and so I think it's just really important for people who are going down that route. One, as Drake would say, know yourself, know your worth. Second, time management. Mm. It is crucial. It is just so crucial. I cannot emphasize it enough. Um, one of the young ladies that I mentor uh, with part of America Needs You and why I'm always telling her, like her time management is the most important thing that she can do. 
as she's trying to figure her way out through college. It wow. helps so much. I can, I can connect so many stories to what you just said. And when I think back on my college experience and going into my junior year of college, you know, I decided mm-hmm. to, to move off campus. You know, but when I look back on it at the time, I mean, I was in my early 20s or so, I had no idea that living off campus and commuting to campus required a whole different level of time management and money management (laughs) skills, right? You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. I had to be barely, what, 20 or 21 at the time, and I had to learn how to pay my rent, you know, on time for the first time (laughs) and cooking for myself and figuring out transportation, buying groceries and meal prepping. And so oftentimes when we talk about college, we tend to talk about going to college from the standpoint of an 18 year old who doesn't have children. So what are your thoughts or do you have any thoughts for someone with a family, let's say a single mom or a single dad who would love to go back to school or go to college, but want to do so in the most affordable way? In other words, are there strategies or tips that they could use for keeping their expenses within an affordable budget? Or do you feel like there might be some apps that they can use or ways that they can cut down on certain expenses um, by coming up with a budget? Yeah, I think the first thing, I mean, there's tons of apps out there. I can't even really begin to name all of them. I believe there's Acorn, there's Digit. There's so many apps that are out there that do savings and like allow you to track your savings. Um, Digit, I recommend because I use that personally myself as someone who had a lot of trouble back in the day really being able like I said, I, I was good at not touching my money. I wasn't always necessarily good at putting it away for something. You know what I mean? Um, and so I would say Digit was a godsend for me because it automatically would go through my account. I would choose how aggressively I want to save and it would just put it back there. For me. So I think that was like a great tool to have. But the main thing I think to start is, you know, just again, going back to that relationship idea, sitting down and doing it by hand. Um, mm. I recommend Excel spreadsheets. I know not everybody's a big fan of those, but just going through, <laughs> looking at your bank statement, you know, I mean, I get it. Like, you know, like, and it's a frightening experience too, you know, like when you sit down and you start looking at like how you actually use your money, it's not always like a pleasant situation that you find yourself in. You might sit back and go, Ooh, I did not know I was realizing I was spending this much on, you know, this, that, and the third, and I don't really need to. But, you know, for someone who is planning to go to college, like, First, creating those good saving habits. Um, the second thing is, and you know, this is something. If you scholarships are still a thing, you can always look for scholarships. You can always apply online. There's lots of grants. Um, there's schools that have a admin executive programs for uh, people who are already working, so that you know they're not as tied into. It's not. The, it's a more fast. Sometimes a little bit more fast paced. Sometimes they're a little bit more extended they kind of give you a little bit of leverage to be able to continue to work and still attend classes um if this is your first degree that you're going for i would stress this for anybody of all ages if you're having your first transition if you're one of your first in your family to go to college i do not knock community colleges at all they are a great way to save money they're located in areas near you they are the schedules are much more flexible the only thing I would say is just like if you have a plan of a college that you want to transfer your associate degree to or a bachelor's degree, make sure that those credits can transfer. That is a, something that has, I've heard horror stories about people not being able to get their credits to transfer. And that's, you know, you don't want to put in all that work and not get anything out of it. 
with that being said, you know, community colleges are a great place to start, a great place to kind of dip your toe in the water. And even if you don't necessarily pursue a degree at there, a lot of them will allow you to audit classes. And you can take these classes at a much lower price than you would if you were to go to a regular university. You know, like I believe the uh, at the time, the local community college near me, which was about 15 minutes away, was charging 100 something per credit. Uh, for classes, while my school was charging, I think close to like four hundred. You know, that's three hundred dollars wow. being saved right there, right? Like right. that's that's a lot of money off the rip. So I think it's really important to just kind of see what that option is. And again, there's grants, um, there's scholarships, there's executive programs, uh, there's also you know just getting to those habits of yourself of saving, putting money aside. But I know for a lot of people when they've made that decision, yeah, I want to go to college, they want to get right on it. And saving is something that takes time. So I can completely understand why they might not necessarily want to automatically go that route unless it's something you're planning, you know, a little bit further down the road. But if it's something where you're like, I need to get back into school within the next year, I need to get back into school to change my life, you know, as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. I recommend taking a look at the community colleges near you, see what they offer, talk to some of the professors. They're wonderful. They're great. We really should be talking more about them. <laughs> right. No, I agree with that 100%. And I mean, you've just you've dropped so many gems, so many great, uh, insightful points. And, you know, one of the things that you did touch on, and I want to come back and emphasize, I actually agree with you and think that we need more open conversations about the importance of self care you talked about earlier. And I would even say therapy, right, especially to help us talk about financial trauma, uh, that many of us have experienced, especially to help us work through anxiety or shame that may come up around our relationship with money. At what point, I'm curious to hear from you, at what point should an individual decide that they may need to seek additional support to help work through any negative emotions that may get in the way of them doing what for others may be a simple action, like sitting down, open up your bills, or looking at your bank statements, or returning a phone call from a student loan provider. Whereas <laughs> for others, right? For others, the anxiety around finances can make opening a monthly bill so painful. What are your thoughts? ASAP, man. Like, this is one of those things where there's no solution until you start. And looking for help has to start immediately because it's something that just gets worse. Like one of the things that happens as you get older, you get more risk averse. You know, as you get mm-hmm. older, you, you make your decision-making skills do become more careful. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's wonderful. That's great. But you know, again, you're risk averse. You're not willing to take the risks that you normally would take. Um, and when it comes to your money and thinking about how to properly invest it, how to properly use it, when you're younger, you know, you still have a little bit of that swagger with you. And while you are more prone to make mistakes, that's also the point where you can change the habits before they set in. Mm. So I think it's just so crucial that as soon as possible, if you can get yourself a mentor, if you can find yourself a professor or friends or family friends or friends of family who know something about money, you get them to be part of your inner circle as someone you can talk to about it. Um, because you don't want to wait until it's too late. Mm-hmm. And that's something that can happen. And now I'm not saying too late as in you can't change, you know, who you are. I believe anybody can change at any point of their life if they want to. Mm-hmm. But that want, you know, that level and that energy that goes into making that want into a reality 
that kind of changes as you get older. As more responsibilities come in, as more things start to happen in your life, as, you know, like your how you think and how you move, you kind of get settled into certain things. It's hard to change. So I definitely recommend to anybody if you have that inkling of a sense, like yo, something is not right with the way that I think about my money. I recommend right away find, trying to find someone to talk to. And you know, we live in the age of the internet now. We have Google at our fingertips. We have Yahoo at our fingertips. I don't know if I don't know, I don't know if about Yahoo. Jesus still around. I don't know as Jesus still around. <laughs> right. There's so much information out there, and I know that information can be so scary to crawl through. There's not really a point of like you know where do I start? Where do I begin? The starting point begins the moment you sit there and you type something into that computer. Mm. That right there, I know it could feel frustrating at times, but that fact that you thought enough to sit down and do it, that is powerful, and that is great, and that is something that can move you forward. So I highly recommend to anybody, like, just start. It's the best that you can do. It doesn't need to be perfect the first time around, but just starting is important. And I think just hearing you say that, right, can, can be the motivation that someone would need to just literally sit at their computer and say, all right, I got to start somewhere. If it's on YouTube, watching some YouTube videos, if it is on Google, wherever, I got to start somewhere. And so, you know, one of the reasons I started this podcast is to help folks younger than us, folks, you know, even folks our age or older, be able to share our stories and the spirit of helping us navigate money, life, career, and college decisions. And, you know, I find that we're all just trying to figure it out together. So why not come together and share our knowledge so that we can live a more informed and fulfilled life? And one of the things I want to see in my lifetime is making financial literacy more accessible. Do you think high school should be required or should require students to take a financial literacy course before they graduate? So I will say, so straight answer, yes. I think that's a wonderful, amazing idea. I don't think it should be starting in high school though. It should be starting like, <laughs> maybe even middle school. Hmm. All right. Like, I agree with that. And I bring that up because financial literacy, I mean, t- think how long it took for you to become a great writer, right? Think about how long it took for you to learn math, learn science, to learn history. Like, there's so much material there. Financial literacy is not just one thing. Hmm. You know, it's not something where you can take somebody for half a year and say, like, hey, here's a course on financial literacy. Oh, congratulations. You figured it out. You know, it needs to be part of the curriculum of our schools in general because there's so many tools that go into it. And personally for myself, you know, as a person of color, I don't want, you know, I mean, if I'm being a little bit too honest here, you can stop me, but we all know how the fundings in schools and urban areas go. We know they're not getting the best tools. We know that they're already struggling with teaching them math and sciences. We see the difficulty that our children of color are going. Like, you see how many of them are not even going to the STEMs, like, we, we see all of that. So for me, I think it needs to be something that's really well-crafted, really well-understood because it's not something that you can just teach somebody in a year. Right. It's something that takes time. They need to practice it. Just the same way you were told, you know, sit down and do all these math problems every single night. Same way they were told, like, you know, write these papers every week or so. Take this exam every, like, two months or so. We have to do the same thing with financial literacy for people to be able to learn it because if you don't do that it's not going to stick because right. it's habit building that's what you're trying to do you're trying to get people to build those habits and 
that takes time. So short answer, yes, great idea. Long answer, we need to really be smart and intelligent on how we would implement it in the lives of our students. You know, I totally agree and I totally see your point. Uh, and, you know, I can just speak as, you know, a first generation college student myself. You know, I look back on some of the predatory financial practices that my friends and I faced and, you know, just imagining, you know, people, you know, not being taught or trained how to avoid getting tricked into debt. You know, they can end up if they're not right. They can end up making some really bad decisions about their finances. So, you know, I remember I got my very first credit card while I was in college and, you know, just kind of hearing you talk and hearing you share um, some of your recommendations. Do you recommend that people take on credit cards in college or should they wait until they are working full time? So that's a personality thing. I, I think uh, I'm sure there's some expert out there that would probably be wagging the finger at me right now for saying that. Um, I think that some of us have the willpower to get a credit card and not use it. Um, but you know, when you're in college, like, you know, you still, you still kind of care about the swagger a little bit. You still kind of care about, you know, what you can buy and stuff and all that stuff. I don't know if the kids are still excited. But, <laughs> they are. You know, <laughs> they are. All right. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you, you still care about that kind of stuff. So like, you know, I, I myself, <laughs> I got my first credit card in college because they were signing people up and they were offering you, uh, we had these things called food trucks. They used to like kind of sit out in um, this like huge parking lot. And it was like six, seven bucks for sandwiches. It's huge sandwiches, we call them fat sandwiches. And you know, it'd be like everything delicious on it. Everything that's unhealthy that I could not eat now without my doctor shaking their head at me. Um, you know, they, they had all of that there. And the credit card companies would say like, hey, sign up, here's a voucher, you get a free sandwich. So me being who I am, I signed up, got my free sandwich, completely forgot about the credit card. I think they sent it to my house. I, I remember one, I got it and I just remember looking at the card and I just cut it in half and I threw it out. I didn't cancel it. I just cut that card in half, threw it out somewhere, never touched it, never used it. Um, I also started a lot of my first credit cards with, um, you know, those stores like, you know, your Kohl's or Old Navy's or Macy's. You know, you could open up a, like a small credit card with them, you know, buy something that you want. But I had, you know, not to brag a little too much, I had a little bit more self-control, I think, than some of my other, my peers. Um, you know, I definitely had friends who got credit cards in college and ended up with a ton of credit card debt before they were even done with college. And, mm -hmm. you know, again, 2008 happened. They didn't really have jobs afterwards. It, it was difficult for them. It messed up their credit and it took time for them to build. That's the important thing to realize. Like, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with opening up a credit card, but understanding how it can impact your credit if you're not wise with how you use it can be an issue and a lot of times like those first credit cards that you're going to get those rates aren't going to be great mm. you know like you're not going to have a good rate you're going to probably get some 20 30 percent interest rate or something like that that you're not going to be able to pay back on no no money having college life like it's it doesn't to me it doesn't make sense it opening it perhaps using it i wouldn't go that far wow um yeah, I, I think that's just something that's important. And also, you know, most of us now, we're coming out with, what, 30000 on average in student loans going up. Like, that's going to affect your credit, too, your student loans. Um, you know, so I would say, though I have to check. I'm not sure what the rulings have been about how they affect credit. 
But when I was going to college, my student loans affected my credit for sure. And, you know, that was enough to boost my credit. You know, like just having those loans because I had them from almost the very beginning. I mean, I had a long line of debt. I had a long line of like, you know, credit being there on my record. That helped me. But it's not something I would recommend for everybody if you don't have to. If you do start a new job, they're paying you well, you know, get a credit card for emergencies. Or better yet, get your parents to add you onto their credit card. That will boost your credit right there. You know, most of our parents already have a credit card. You don't necessarily have to use it, but like just have them add you to it, opens up that line that shows that you have some form of credit, and it helps. So I say that there's avenues everywhere. You just got to look for them. Got it. Got it. Michelle, I enjoy this conversation. I definitely want to bring you back in the near future. I appreciate your, your time, your thoughts. you have any final uh, words? No, I just want to thank you so much for like, doing this. I think it's something that is needed, you know, <laughs> for college kids, for our communities, I think it's just important to be having frank, open, honest conversations about these topics that, you know, are very taboo. There are things that we aren't comfortable talking about to each other. And so I am really looking forward to see how this podcast grows and changes lives in the future. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. And thank you again. I definitely look forward to having you back on at some point and we'll be talking soon. <laughs>